Thank you guys for tuning in to the Four Train Savages podcast. Again, this is episode number 26, and we have a really good guest for you guys, a writer and reporter for WFAN. You guys know Yankee fan Sweeney Murdy also contributes to SNY. Tyler, we had a really good convo with Sweeney about the recent moves that happened this past weekend. Also at the beginning of the week, this week with Jay Bruce and uh, Chirinos, as well as Justin Wilson. So we had a really good chat with him, Tyler, and uh, glad for you guys to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff, Rob. Uh, definitely knows. He obviously knows his stuff about the Yanks, and it's good to have, uh, you know, some people way above our pay grade that come in here and uh, <laughs> are willing to chat with us a little bit. So, you know, cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, before you guys, we ha- or before we head into the interview, please be sure to leave us a rate and review if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, as well as go over to our Twitter and follow us at 4Savages. Got some good content for you guys over there on Twitter. And as always, subscribe to the pod. Well, let's head right into the interview. All right, we are back with another episode of the Four Train Savages podcast, episode number 26. And Tyler, once again, we have another great guest, a writer and reporter for WFAN, as well as a contributor to SNY, Sweeney Murdy. Thank you very much for spending the time with us, Sweeney. How are you doing? Um, wonderful, guys. How are you doing today? Pretty good, pretty good. So at, we're going to get your opinion on the Yankees for the, you know, for next season in 2021. But we w- kind of want to get your thoughts on the recent moves that happened this past week with the Jay Bruce, as well as um, the Chirinos yesterday, along with Justin Wilson. So you, I think, were actually the first to be the reporting on the Justin Wilson deal. So how did that how, how do you think those uh, moves played out for the Yankees and what were they looking for there? Yeah, they're all separate deals that um, have different, mean different things. The Chirinos one um, is was necessary because the Yankees didn't have any catchers on the roster besides Gary Sanchez and Kyle Agashioka. If either one of those guys got hurt, then you're dipping into guys who last played in A ball. So I'm actually, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there are more catchers signed, at least one more catcher signed on a minor league deal that has some sort of major league experience because uh, it all takes is one injury to wreck those plans uh, when you're getting through six, seven weeks of spring training. Uh, Justin Wilson adds to a pretty diverse bullpen. Um, I think they've kind of, you know, tried to remake their bullpen a little bit. Obviously they traded away Adam Adovino. They signed Darren O'Day. You had Wilson. Now, if you think about the setup core leading up to a role as Chapman, you have lefties in Wilson and Britton, and you have righties in Chad Green and Darren O'Day. And they all kind of give you different looks, different angles. Uh, what they specialize in, though, all of them is, is getting weak contact, soft contact. And um, that seems to be what's driving the Yankees in, in kind of setting up their bullpen and what they want to do with that. Jay Bruce is, um, you know, I, really all winter I've been saying that the Yankees were kind of you know, lacking outfield depth. And a lot of that had to do with, you know, the minor league season didn't happen last year. So you never got to see guys graduate from AAA. You never got to see guys graduate from AA to AAA, kind of knocking on the door, see what you have. So your outfield depth was basically what you had in the major league roster. And that was it. I mean, you saw, I think, one moment last year, Esteban Florial got called up. But, you know, again, he's barely played above A-ball. Um, 
got a lot of guys like that called up around the league just out of circumstance because, you know, you have an injury and you only have a limited pool to pick from. So you kind of had to replenish that. They signed a couple of other minor league outfielders with some experience that can play AAA. And Jay Bruce is here on a minor league contract. And I think it's, you know, he's, he's, I don't believe he's going to be one of these guys that can just kind of skate through spring training on his veteran status and mm-hmm. pick up a major league job at the end of it. I think he's got to perform and show that he can contribute on the roster. That's, uh, that's, you know, I think that's why he's here in a minor league deal. We'll see if he can make the team. Sweeney, um, like Rob said, I appreciate you coming on. This is super awesome for us. We look forward to, you know, going about this a little bit. Uh, Rob mentioned you were kind of the first to break the Justin Wilson news yesterday. What kind of goes into breaking a story like that? When do you necessarily get the green light to, um, you know, hit send on Twitter and things like that? Because we've seen some hiccups with some reporters this this uh, this offseason, which I, I assume is totally normal. But just out of curiosity, what kind of goes into uh, a move like that? Really, it's just about trusting the people that you are talking to and getting the information from. And a lot of times people are reluctant to, to hand it out um, and you don't get it. And other times people are willing to help you out. It's about, you know, who you have relationships with and who you trust. And as long, you know, for me, as long as I trust the person telling me, you know, I have no problems hitting send, as you say. It's go. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, sometimes it's, sometimes there, you know, there are things that are a little more complex I remember a few years ago, um, I, I went to bed uh, knowing details on the, um, the Yankees training for Didi Gregorius from Arizona. Okay. I, w- I went to bed reluctantly because I didn't get, um, not that I didn't trust where I got it, but it was kind of being pieced together uh, as I was getting it from people. And I needed one more person to really just firm it up for me. And I didn't have that. So I went to bed without reporting it. And I, you know, I kind of freaked out a little bit. I didn't sleep well that night because I, uh, I, um, I thought, listen, if I know this, somebody else does, you know, yeah. guarantee it. So it's not going to last long. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and somebody else is going to have this because I, you know, I wasn't brave enough to push send. And, you know, there's a reason it's, you know, listen, it's your reputation on the line, right? It's yeah. your livelihood. So, um, I woke up the next morning and not a whiff of it came out yet. And I made a couple more calls and, and finally got enough to be comfortable in what I was saying. And, um, and then the, that deal got done shortly thereafter. So uh, I beat it by not too long, but yeah, yeah can't I, beat that. Really. It just comes down to, um, I, I think a lot of us, we, we want to, we like what we talk about and, getting into the details of what we're talking about not necessarily being the first to report something uh that's that's a different kind of thing sometimes it's a different dog fight <laughs> yeah it's um it's nice when you get one um but it's um it's just better to be right you know mm-hmm. and it's better to um i think it's better to i get more out of having something that maybe putting out something that has a larger discussion to it than maybe just a, a transaction that, you know, kind of keep feeding the beast on that. But yeah, it's, it's all important. It's all part of what we do. Gotcha. Awesome. So uh, like past the, the moves that happened this past week and weekend, looking for forward to 2021, uh, the, obviously the DJ deal had to be done. It seemed that he is, you know, he, well, he is a big part of this offense and a big part of the team overall. What is your outlook for the 2021 Yankees? It seems that the 
the National League is a whole other animal, but a lot of the talk has been that the American League has kind of been depleted. You know, Tampa Bay lost a couple of their starters, even though Toronto has gained a lot of good players, but they they don't really seem at the same level of the Yankees of the past years. So is it really make or break time for the Yankees to finally break through the barrier of at least getting to the World Series? And then obviously it's a whole other animal to take on, you know, the Dodgers that it may seem to be, or any of those other NL beasts is it's make or break time for the, for the Yankees. Correct. Yeah. I mean, one of those things is, uh, is about, you know, obviously winning the world series, you can't win it until you get there. The Yankees have to get there and there you're right. There are a lot of different things that happen in the American league that are in their favor. We'll, we'll see if their moves are in their favor because they are relying on good health, which has escaped them over the course of a full season for, for several years. And, uh, they're built to, you know, to try to take advantage of that, hopefully this year. And uh, a lot of the, the questions with guys like uh, Corey Kluber and Jameson Tyone revolve around health. And the Yankees have been waiting to try to get full seasons out of Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. And if they can do all that, then they are pretty well set up, at least as far as the people who are, um, you know, making all the projections and the odds seem to think that it's, it's all lining up pretty well in their favor. Now they just have to go out there and do it. You know, Boston's taking a step back. Uh, Tampa, I, I, it scares me about Tampa, you know, like they're sneaky, but they don't like to give up pitchers. So when they give up pitchers, what is it that they know that the rest of us don't? And yeah, literally, you know, that they don't give it up without some sort of other plan in place. So how are they going to manage this and what magic tricks are they going to pull to be sitting there, you know, within, I don't know, three, four games come September 1st, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, or, or even if it's not that, you know, they could try to win maybe seven or eight or nine games against the Yankees. And, you know, you know what kind of impact that could have in the race. Um, but yeah, I kind of feel like they're, they've earned their smarts and we should all kind of wait to see how, it plays out for them before saying that they're not going to be in it this year. Toronto's interesting because the one thing that didn't happen last year because of a shortened season, we never got to see those young stars get through a full major league season in a pennant race and try to yeah. learn from that and see what happens after they've played 130 games already. What happens in those last 30? Will guys like Biggio and Guerrero and Bichette be able to, you know, to withstand that? and hold up and keep their production high when the games are at their most important. Um, that's something that, you know, you kind of want to see teams get through and show you. And just the nature of last season didn't allow that to happen. So that's the only thing. Toronto is super talented. Uh, don't think they're done yet adding pitching. I uh, think they're very dangerous. The only thing I'd really like to see is how they pass that test when they get there. Mm-hmm. They at least will be something. A lot of questions to be uh, answered, I think, on every team. You know, Tampa could have a a 10, 12-man rotation, for all we know. they got a bunch of pitchers, but outside of their their three or four uh, starters they got, we don't really know what they're working with. But you mentioned you mentioned Kluber and Tyone, uh, Sweeney. And as we all know, um, aside from from paying top dollar for pitchers like, like Cole and CeCe, Cashman, Cashman hasn't necessarily – had a, a very good reputation when it comes to acquiring starting pitching. Uh, how do you feel about Kluber in time? Would you have rather had maybe a Paxton and Tanaka reunion? Uh, do you like the upside with Kluber and Tyone? Or what are kind of your thoughts on that? 
I, I did like both Paxton and Tanaka and the idea of maybe bringing them back. Uh, I thought James Paxton pushed through. Well, you know, I look back on after he finally signed back with Seattle, I look back at the stats again. You know, you kind of throw out last year, the back issue, and only made five starts. But he actually had a really good 2019 for them mm-hmm. um, and had a couple of pretty good outings in the postseason too. So um, I think he he delivered on what you thought was there. We just didn't get a chance to see see it kind of keep moving forward because of what last season uh, you know ended up being. Um, Tyone and and Kluber fall into a lot of these categories, where you're just kind of hoping that they can you know put back together what what they had. In Kluber's case, what he has already shown. Uh-huh. In Tyone's case, what he's shown in spurts. Um, it is it is a bit of a gamble. It's a, it's a pretty good gamble. And the Yankees uh, you know, showed you how committed they were to uh, staying under the luxury tax. And that's not something fans want to hear. Um, <laughs> but it's clear by every move that they've made this winter that uh-huh. that is acting as a cap for them. And that's, that's driving a lot of their decision-making, especially when you hear Brian Cashman basically say that the idea of Tyone and Kluber um, salary-wise equal basically what Masahiro Tanaka would have tried to command, two for the price of one kind of thing. Again, it shows you where the priorities were in trying to stay under that luxury tax threshold, and that's kind of why these decisions were made where they were. Will they pay off? We'll see. There is a lot of risk attached to it. We will see. So, obviously, the games have to be played in order for these to be shown, but looking for sort of a sort of a surprise that you may see from the Yankees. It could be someone that we've brought back or someone that's been struggling, maybe a Gary Sanchez, or could you see one of like Tyon or Kluber are, do you see one of them making a huge impact on the team this year? Could it be like a Justin Wilson or, you know, dare say a Robinson Chirinos, if he somehow makes it onto the roster past spring training. So where do you look for one of those big surprise players to make a breakout in the Yankees? Yeah, I think it's all of them. I mean, to degree, um, Corey Kluber is the type of guy who could slot in really nicely behind Garrett Cole if he's truly behind all his issues and has the durability to get through the season again. Um, that could be something. The bullpen, there are a couple of guys in the bullpen that I'd kind of be interested in seeing how you – know, I've thought for a couple of years now that Chad Green was the most vital reliever in that bullpen and could show you he was – with some multi-inning stints and through various circumstances, he's never really been able to get a hold of that role. I'm not sure yet if it's going to play out that way for them this time, but I'd really love to see what he could do as a guy who could go give you two innings, you know, a couple times a week. And, you know, if he gave you two innings twice a week and could, you know, that's, that adds up probably a lot, but um, you get the idea um, he could face six guys. If he get you six outs on any, you know, on a given day and maybe three more another night uh, and be that effective a couple of times a week, we've seen that, but his ideal role is probably as a multi-inning guy. And we just haven't seen him be able to stick in that role because of other circumstances forces need in other areas, you know, different injuries here, there move guys around. Uh, or different games here that are move guys around and you can't really lock it down that way but he's the one that I've, I've always found the most interesting the last couple of years because he's so good and um, 
I keep waiting for that breakout here from him. The um, position player-wise, I'd uh, I really like to see Aaron Hicks, you know, mm. be the guy who stays out there for 125, 130 games. He had a very and, uh, uh, very quiet post, consistent postseason when he was when he he got on base a lot, and I think that he can really, you know, he's got to take it up a notch past the injuries and stay healthy. Yeah. The the key I've always thought with Aaron Hicks. I've always described him as when you watch him play, he has, he has games and he has games and weeks like Bernie Williams had months and years. You know, you see a good couple of games out of Aaron Hicks and say, that's what Bernie Williams looked like in 1998, right? Mm -hmm. Only he did it for all of 1998. And you're looking at small samples of Aaron Hicks as he kind of comes up and down a little bit. And then battles the injuries too. So um, I feel like he's he's a guy who, if he can stay healthy enough, where you don't look at a long, you know, IL stint, it's really it really stabilizes a lot out there, defensively, offensively. Uh, I think his approach is terrific. I think you've seen some of the thing wonderful things he can do. You just kind of want to see him. You know, he's the kind of guy you want to see get Player of the Month. You know, mm. not play not Player of the of Monday to Wednesday. Yeah, you really want to see him have that consistency. We know what Aaron Nix can do. I mean, I would love to, like you said, see it for the the course of a full season. Um, look for him to stay healthy this year. Hopefully, that arm heals up because you know he's a he's an elite defender as well, and the dude gets on base. Uh, speaking of the outfield, Sweeney, me and Rob actually recently spoke to Brian Hoke as well, and we kind of learned that Guardy. Uh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Oh, you're sorry. <laughs> we won't tell him you said that. Uh, we've learned that Guardy. I will. <laughs> we've learned that Guardy's kind of a prankster in the locker room, and he was a dude that kind of went in there, broke the ice, gave all the young guys a hard time, messed with everyone. If Guardy's not coming back, who's taking that place? That's a big concern for me. I want to know who who's messing up the locker room and who's giving people, you know, a little bit of shit when shit is due. You know. <laughs> It might have to be Brian Hoke. I think he's earned that <laughs> title. Uh, I love Hokey. Just uh, have a little fun with you, buddy. Um, it's a good question. And I think that I think everybody has wanted to see Aaron Judge assume that leadership mantle for a couple of years. And he does at times. But when you lose CeCe Sabathia and perhaps Brett Gardner, we don't know if he's you know uh, for sure not going to be there. When you lose these guys, you, you're losing a lot of seniority. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the guys who you think are the young baby bombers are these are the guys who are in charge now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got like Garrett Cole and DJ LeMay who have, you know, a little more seniority in the league um, and have they certainly have the weight behind them to, you know, to be heard. But I think they're different kinds of leaders. And um, I do think you need somebody on the position player side to you know, to step up a little bit like that. And it doesn't have to be putting somebody in their place with a practical joke, but it can be something, you know, with, with their just being vocal about it and being the guy who rally guys together. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, a lot of that comes with, for Judge, though, a lot of that comes with staying healthy, you know, and being on the yeah. field. You know, I, I can't tell you how many players have told me it's really hard to exert your influence as a leader if you're not out there with them in the line. Out lineup. there leading, gotcha. So if you're not in the lineup, it's really hard to 
have that kind of influence. And if Aaron Judge is staying in the lineup 135 times, I think it would you know make a big difference in that regard. So speaking of Guardy, barring any news that may be breaking before this podcast comes out, is it, uh, you know, with the deals that they made in the past week, I mean, Jay Bruce, he has played in recent years more so first base, I'd feel, and they're looking at him as a possible DH. But being that we have a full-time DH now in Giancarlo Stanton, and obviously he'll need rest days, but I feel as though it, it kind of... Uh, thins out the ability to get Gardner, not so necessarily money-wise because they were able to get him for the veterans minimum, but does it make it harder now for Guardy? Do you still think, you know, like Hoke, Hoke told us by, you know, cra- anything else crazy happens, he still thinks that he's going to be there on spring training, popping out, you know, right in the locker room there. So is there any, you know, how is that going to play out? Is Guardy going to look to be signed pretty soon or are we going to end up seeing him like right on spring training day or something? I mean, it's here, you know, the spring training's here. So, uh, and it's not the first, yeah. listen, the Yankees, have, I, I've been to plenty of spring trainings where the Yankees have signed guys after uh, we've already been down there. And I was looking back today and remembering that Raul Labanez signed, um, you know, a, a week yeah. into spring training and a major league deal, a guaranteed major league deal. It wasn't a minor league invite. So, um, listen, I just feel like it's, I don't know what kind of money is still going to be there for him. Um I'm remembering a situation several years ago where Andy Pettit kind of hemmed and hawed on whether or not he wanted to return. He, he waited a little bit to make his decision. By the time he finally decided, for sure, yes, I want to come back this year, uh, the Yankees had spent money in other places and told him, here's all we have to offer. And it, you know, it hurt Andy a little bit. He wasn't, he wasn't uh, I, I don't think, expecting that because whatever he was being offered or thought to have been offered a month ago is now less because he had waited to make his decision. Um, I think the Yankees are kind of in the same boat with every day they've made a move, they have less that they are willing to spend, not that they could spend, but are willing to spend on Brett Gardner. And it might just be up to him to figure out whether that's best for him or not. The thing with the Yankees roster right now is they could use him because um, Mike Talkman's history is a small one you know, when you think about the idea of the outfield of Judge, Hicks, Frazier, let's say that's it right now. Talkman is your extra outfielder. Jay Bruce, give or take, but I mean, we still have to see him perform in the spring. Exactly. If Talkman is your extra outfielder who has to play, say, you know, through a six-week injury to one of the other guys, um, I know he's been capable in spots and was good off the bench, but playing him every day for six weeks is a different matter. And I don't think anybody would fear that from Brett Gardner. Um, I think that it's um, it's just trying to figure out, do you have enough outfield depth? And I think that's a legitimate concern for the Yankees, given the injury history of the guys out there. It's fair. I mean, Gardy has produced time and time after again. Say what you want about Gardy, you know, bringing him back or not. Um He'd be in addition to that, not in addition. He'd be, he's a, he's a necessity on this team, in my opinion. But going back to kind of Yankees depth. Uh, yeah, last year there was a four-man bench for what I believe. Um, I'm pretty sure they're going back to a three-man bench this year, which is something that's, I don't know, I feel like it's kind of flew under the radar a little bit, which is a little bit alarming to me just because, you know, you essentially have two men uh, with a backup catcher on the bench at all times. Uh, what does that kind of mean for for Yankees considering guys like uh, Gardy, Talkman, Greg Allen, 
Uh, you got to have Tyler Wade in there for the middle infield, I would imagine. And then there's Miguel Andujar, Mike Ford, who's kind of who are the odd men out there. And that's a, that's a lot of guys that, you know, you would think fit somewhere at some point. It is. And it's a great question because as I was looking at it today, you know, last year you had the roster start at a higher number and it gradually not, not got knocked down. It's going to be a 26 this year, but there's no limit on the pitchers. And given the state of, of, you know, how you're going to have to get pitchers to 162 games this year. And after having only played 60, the question marks you have of getting enough innings out of these guys, I'm wondering if it's possible that they go 14 pitchers and 12 position mm-hmm. players. That's, you know, that's a question that we probably won't have answered, you know, uh, on Wednesday, but I, I hope to ask it and see, you know, where they lean. Um, but 14 pitchers would leave you with 12 position players, leaves you with a three-man bench. And, you know, as much as we talk about trying to nurse the pitchers through 162 game season for the first time in a couple of years, same is true of the position players, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and one of those three has to be a catcher. So now you're talking about basically two bench players, if you're carrying a three-man bench. And um, I, I don't know yet which direction they're going in. I think they could probably have an idea how they want to map it out, but the injuries are going to happen and tell us a lot about how they open the season. Uh, and we'll see. It's, I, I mean, yeah, it, that's going to be the decision, really. I think in the end, it's going to come down to that decision, a four-man bench versus a three-man bench, and who gives you the best chance to, uh, you know, to at least start the season that way. As a Yankee fan, I'm rooting for the four-man bench. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we'll kind of leave you off on this, Sweeney. Uh, you know, we talked about the American League and how they kind of shape up, and we'll see how they do against teams like Tampa, Toronto, maybe the White Sox. Seems like that's been the hot team to kind of, you know, compete with the Yankees in the American League. How do you think that they stack up against a National League foe and either maybe the Dodgers the Padres, possibly any of these other kind of juggernauts that seem to be out in the national league. Do you, I, I don't want to put too much pressure of like, do you think they're going to win the world series this year? Cause that's what we're all hoping, hoping as Yankee fans that they finally get over the hump in these, this past four year stretch of the new baby bombers that they finally get that, get that new ring. Um, how do you think they match up? I mean, the Dodgers, just, they got Trevor Bauer and they got this elite pitching staff. They took Canely from us. They got a good bullpen. They got this crazy lineup. They signed Turner back. How do you think we stack up against a National League team in the World Series? And can we can we get it done? I um, I don't know how to accurately predict what the you know what the teams are going to look like six months from now. Mm. Ah. Well, I'm saying, <laughs> come on, be a little crazy. You know, we're winning, we're winning in five. But, or but here's my point. Like you're, you're, you're telling, you want to say, okay, how do the Yankees stack up against the Dodgers in the world series? Let's say, well, by your assumption, they've gotten to the world series. How did they get there? Did they get there because Jameson Tyone and Corey Kluber were awesome? We're hoping. Did they get there because Davey Garcia all of a sudden won 14 games and uh, Clark Schmidt stepped in. How did, and it, I mean, and to answer the question, how they stack up against, you know, Kershaw and Bueller and Bauer, I got to know which of those guys got them there and how they got there yeah. and what the bullpen looks like. So um, I, I don't like to, I, I've never liked to look at it that way 
because so many things, I mean, listen, what was it two years ago? Opening, you know, a week into the season, how many people got hurt a week into the season and everything you thought about Too many. looked like was, was gone. It was, and, and they had to, you know, they had to juggle chainsaws just to get you through to a hundred wins again. Um, I, I understand your point at this particular point in time, the Dodgers have a better pitching staff. You know, the Padres might have a better starting rotation. Um, the Yankees have some pretty good depth. I like their bullpen. There are a lot of arms I like, but until I see what Kluber and Tyone are right now and how they can help this team, I can't tell you they're better than one of those other teams. And that doesn't involve anything about what we said about Aaron Judge or Gary Sanchez or Glaber Torres. And you know, these guys all have to have big years too. Um, you know, to win a championship, your stars have to perform like stars and you have to get unexpected contributions from some other places. A lot of times we look at the Yankees and you know, we already have levels of expectation for everybody. You know, they can't surprise you anymore. Yeah. That, and that's the hard part about right now, because you've seen what Gleyber Torres is, what Aaron Judge is, you know, what Gary Sanchez could be. They can't surprise you. You know, they can't give you something that makes you just say, wow, and it's unexpected, you know, open this up and go, oh my gosh, never saw this coming. If they give you good years, it's because you wanted to see it coming because you've, you've kind of seen it already. The only guys that can give the Yankees that are probably guys like Garcia, Loisiga, Schmidt, any of the bullpen guys. You know, those are the types of guys. That, and and really, and Tuber and uh, Kluber and Tyon. But you know, they kind of have an expectation already attached to them because you know they're kind of being thrust into those spots. So it's kind of hard to fast forward six months and, and figure out how they stack up. Just our Uber fandom coming out and hey, just we'll look, just looking for some. Uh, there you some, go. Some, some good mojo. But um, as a Yankee fan that pretty much has grown up in the past decade, listening to the early uh, pregame and post games of the Yankee games on FAN. And it's pretty cool to, to just, you know, speak with you and for you to spend some time with us and talk to us about the Yankees coming up this season. And uh, it's really cool. So really appreciate your time today. No worries. Uh, thank you for having me, Rob. Tyler, I'm not yeah. mad at you. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> thank you, sweetie. Thanks for, uh, thanks for uh, having me. I hope, uh, hope it's a good long season that we get to uh, all have some fun with. Hopefully Absolutely. we get that 28th ring. All right. Good luck. So, Tyler, that was our interview with Sweeney. Really good Yankees talk for this week. Gave us some good insight on what he sees for the season. Really good talk. And uh, we're heading into some more uh, spring training this uh, upcoming week. Pitchers and catchers right around the corner, Tyler, and we're going to we're going to keep the pod growing, keeping it going and uh, get some more Yankees talk. And hopefully we can uh, have a good regular season this year. Yeah. Pitchers and catchers tomorrow. Look forward to that. Um, I'm excited to see some organized baseball. You know, I mean, yeah. I've been saying get me to February this whole time. And, you know, it's, it's finally middle of February, about six weeks out of opening day. Um, we're getting fans in the stands. You know, I'm hyped. We're almost there, Rob. Mm hmm. Very close, very close. We can almost taste it. So once again, be sure to leave us that rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us at Four Savages. Subscribe to the pod, and we will catch you next time.